I believe we are having some technical difficulties. You're not <laughs> wrong. I'm a clone of a clone. <laughs> and I will be again. <laughs> Good afternoon, folks. Welcome back to the Fan Batch. I'm Andy, and always joined by my band of brothers here. We got uh, Wes R. Scott and Sir, Hank Lachlan. I'm here to laugh and cry and everything in between with you guys, because, man, Ooh. this one hits. Yeah. This one. Yeah. Well, th this one like primes you for a hit, but it's dropped as one. So, really, there was an entire emotional roller coaster this week. And I, I said to you guys in our private chat, since we started doing the uh, the double coverage of covering both shows, because I've been focused primarily on the Mandalorian, I've been watching the Bad Batch episodes, uh, sort of second, and focusing on the Mandalorian. Did I not switch my freaking watch order, and it? ruined my week <laughs> i'm not even kidding not even in the slightest it it was incredibly difficult i don't know how you guys felt this week because there literally between the two shows and i don't want to cross pollinate too much there was such an emotional roller coaster that given the the big crunch of of the bad batch it made it really difficult for me to focus and write because i was so emotionally overcome with what had happened yeah yeah um I, it's real tough not to cross pollinate when we're when when they yeah do, right so yeah yeah um but i did the exact for whatever reason maybe it was because the mandalorian episode was mine this week maybe i always uh and lauren sometimes lauren's like come on <laughs> but i always yeah. watch the bad batch first like the matinee like the cartoon yeah. before the feature yeah exactly right? yeah and uh this week i didn't and so I'm in the exact same boat as you. I was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. I'm like, why didn't I watch the Mandalorian uh, second? So at least I could have yeah, left on I the high note. Right? Match late, so I was staying away from spoilers and stuff. Oh, and, good. Uh, good stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I did watch Bad Batch first. So you did, eh? <laughs> I got my little bump from Mandalorian afterwards. I remember we were talking earlier this week, and uh, we were asking each other if we had seen the, it, as we have our private group chat, how we kind of mm -hmm. coordinate sort of the the beats for the episode, and and Andy, you had said uh, saw it. Gonna need a minute. <laughs> yep. yep, that's crazy. But we've had lots of minutes. Uh, we had the rest of the week to ruminate on it, and here we are. Yep. Okay, I guess. <laughs> well, before we just you know drown everything in sorrow, is oh it yeah, sure, time? sure. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like let me get the key here. Okay, here, hang on. Now get out here, you bad Star Wars jokes. Hmm. Okay, this one's a, a I don't know, good one, I guess. It comes from the internet. <laughs> oh, it's a good Star Wars joke. Well, maybe we'll all see. Right. All right, which ship is the Godfather of all the others? What ship is the Godfather? Of all others, hmm. Um, I gotta think about that for a second. Keep like Don Corleone stuff. Seriously, the... <laughs> I'm going yeah, deep on it. I, I probably I shouldn't know. be. You're not far off, Hank. Oh, <laughs> the the Corleone. I don't know. The... How about the Millennium Falcone? Uh... <laughs> oh. <laughs> The Millennium Falcon. All around. I, dig I dig it. This has been another installment of Bad Star Wars Jokes. I get back in your cage. Yep. So, without further ado, are we ready to dive into this part? Uh, I don't know if I have enough. Uh, well, at least the first half is okay. I don't. I don't think I need the box of tissue yet. But... Not yet. All right. Take us away. All righty. So, uh, what do we got here? 
brand new layout this week. Oh, I dig it. Look at us. So this episode originally aired Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. It's titled The Summit. It has a listed runtime of 28 minutes with credits and titles, but it comes in at 23 minutes and two seconds without. Uh, this one is written by Matt Michinowitz, and that brings his tally up to 31 episodes. Oh, wow. And uh, the director's chair this week belongs to Nate Villanova, bringing uh, his episode up. Cool. His episode t- or total up to 12. But oddly enough, there are now two IMD pages for Mr. Villanova. One is listed under Nathaniel. Yeah. And the other one is listed under Nate. Under Nate. Interesting. The, and these are confirmed. It's the same guy, not like siblings or something. I, I was thinking maybe like a father-son thing. but Oh, that's possible too. I never thought but, about that. Uh, no, like there's a lot of cross okay. credits. So All right. Maybe somebody just got impetuous and jumped on a new one. Possibly, yeah. But the synopsis reads, an infiltration proves more challenging than expected. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yep. So we open on Pabu under Moonlight, and inside the Havoc Marauder, we find Tech and Echo have no luck in tracking down the location of the Advanced Science Division base, where Crosshair is currently being held. Another passage of time here. Uh, look at Lower Pabu already uh, lit up. up. Yeah, yeah, that's Cool. Yeah. yeah, so they're uh, many slow. rotations. <laughs> um, Tech goes on to say that uh, he's come up with virtually nothing on uh, Dr. Hemlock, and for all intents and purposes, he's a ghost. But Echo interjects that through his contacts, he's found out that Dr. Hemlock will attend a summit in two cycles at Tarkin's compound on Eriadu. And with an infiltration mission, they could plant a track on Hemlock's ship and follow him back to his base. And crosshair, says Omega. Any any thoughts to who his contact is? Don't know. Oh, but he, they do uh, say they built a network inside and outside of in and out. And Cody booked, so. or do you think he went back to work? That's interesting. I don't think so. I mean, I think with Cody's going to show up next season. I do think Cody's in the wind somewhere, probably loosely connected to Rex and whatever is yeah. going on with that. But I mean, we could like pay, take a page out of uh, out of Andor. I mean, could this be like connections to like characters like Luthen Rail? Maybe who's got a guy on the inside in the ISP? It mm. could be something like that. It maybe wouldn't shock me if they all like, you know, cross paths. I think at some point, point there there there's going to be like considering what cross paths today. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, yeah. we're starting to weave some more galaxy stuff we're gonna have like a major eclipse where everything just kind of lines yeah (laughs) star wars overload but hunter doesn't think it'll be that easy as they'd be at a tactical disadvantage but tech chimes in that even though they haven't agreed with his choices crosshair is still their brother and they don't leave their own behind omega chimes in again if there's any chance we have to take it very, you know, an aggressive sort of stance to take given the uh, history uh, over the course of season one. Yeah, like everybody is just, it's Crosshair, he's yeah, our brother, yeah, he's yeah. turned on the Empire, let's go get him. It's mm-hmm. amazing how quickly uh, they are to forgive. Yeah. You know, it's kind of uh, one of those, I guess, the dichotomy of being a family, I suppose. Yeah. Black sheep of the family, still family. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So our first Easter egg here, Iriadu. Homeworld of Grand Moff Wilhuff Tarkin. Located in the Seswena sector in the Outer Rim, uh, Iriadu's chief industry and export revolved around Lomite ore. 
Uh, it was originally mentioned in the West End Games Star Wars Legends Imperial Source book in 1989. Such a good book. But it made a first canon appearance in the 2014 novel Tarkin by James Lucino. Uh, that's an early 2014. That's an early uh, early novel too. Early canon, early new canon novel. I should yeah. Say. <clears throat> yes. So nice little drop there. Hunter asks if they should wait for reinforcements, but Echo thinks they're a small enough team to get in and out without getting noticed, but they'll have to move quickly. And with a plan in place, Hunter's on board. Later on, as the Batch are loading up some gear, Fee is back, finally, and uh, Omega runs over to greet her, and she asks where they're heading off to, and Omega relays it's a covert mission. But Fee tells her she wants details when they get back, and Omega rushes off to the ship. As she runs up the ramp, Tech stands next to the ship running some calculations on his data pad, and Fee walks up and asks, were they going to leave without saying goodbye? And he replies, as Tech only can, that is correct. <laughs> you know, the, there's the hesitation when he goes to get on the ship. There is. This whole scene, he's like... Do you think he regrets not saying anything? I believe so. I think so as well. Uh, not not anymore. Well, right <laughs> I now mean, he does. So I, I feel real... I don't know how I feel. I feel weird because in the chat, while yeah. I was watching this, I went, oh, no. And I said it to you. I said it to both yeah. of you in the chat. I yeah. like, And I, I'd come to it late, but I was like, oh, just because of how long it took that scene. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like they the, really dwell the on pause it. between it. And yeah, absolutely. The, the real, the, the long setup to uh, <laughs> something bad's about to happen. Yeah. I got some yeah, bad I was, mojo. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to see through that. Uh, scene <laughs> yeah 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 but fee she crosses her arms and gives tech a really pouty look and looking up from his data pad he awkwardly asks if fee needs a briefing <laughs> but she tells him that when two friends are talking it's called a conversation That's and right. then she goes on to tell him you know don't go running off with any pirates or smugglers when they're gone and tech blurts out yes this mission shouldn't involve either but Fee, she pushes the data pad down and tells him that's not exactly what she was getting at. Not what I meant there, uh, big guy. Yeah, and adjusting his goggles, Fee chuckles, and then she tells him, see you around, brown eyes. And she walks away. But Tech, he pauses a moment processing the conversation, and then he jumps on the Marauder. And that's where I kind of, that's where I was like, do you think, I, I think he kind of like, oh, you know, like. Yeah, there was something else. Two seconds implied. too late, I just realized what was happening there, and now I don't know how to go back and. Yeah, and I kept and I was literally watching the TV, and I was like, "No, no, turn around, turn around. She's still there. She's still there." Yeah, yeah. And then he didn't. He, he, he yeah. He pauses, doesn't look back. She at least looks. Yeah. Back. yeah, yeah. She doesn't. Well, she does look back, but only as the Marauder is lifting off, right? Getting right. off into space. He just yeah. has that moment of hesitation where he's getting on board, and he stops. Yeah, and then keeps going. Like, no, turn around, you You're missing the girl. <laughs> So maybe she just was honestly into him. I kind of think she was now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think uh, she's the turncoat, you know, that we thought that she we might originally be. thought she no. was. Yeah. Based on what we learned next episode. Yeah. My, my opinion of her has changed again. So uh, over area do we see a couple star destroyers in high orbit and a third arrives out of hyperspace and a shuttle flanked by three V wings drops out and approaches the planet. On the surface, we see them heading for Tarkin's compound, and the V-Wings flank off as the shuttle enters the mountainside hangar, where it lands next to four other identical shuttles. Two shock troopers greet Dr. Hemlock as he departs his ship, and they inform Hemlock that Tarkin has been waiting for him. And then they enter further into the compound. 
there's an interesting thing going on here. I know it comes up later in uh, in the second half in Plan 99, where we're we're starting to see the evolution of uh, the Republic uh, military infrastructure move towards what we recognize as classic Imperial. Yeah. Um, and to see that the the shock troopers are st- are still in the new TK style armor, but they still have the color scheme of the of the Coruscant Guard, which mm-hmm. were also shock troopers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right down to the uh, the clone style uh, shoulder shoulder pauldron. pauldron. Yeah, yeah. At the top of the tower, the elevator door opens, and Hemlock and the shock troopers exit, approaching a huge blast door. And one shock trooper activates the control panel, and it slides open. Tarkin tells Hemlock he's late, but Hemlock says that there were some matters that required his attention as he takes his seat at the round table with three other officers. Tarkin studies Hemlock for a moment before he states, now that they're all here, they can finally begin. Hmm. Meanwhile, the Havoc Marauder has just is still en route through hyperspace. And Tech has identified a spot to land where it would put them between or beyond sensor range. And we get a shot of the console and there's a lot of Orabesh going on here. Uh, good for you for digging all that out of that. Yeah, it's Crazy. actually scrolling, but it is all it's all there. Yeah, it's all functional. Um, on the right, as it scrolls, it reads uh, area do optional terrestrial habitable, breathable biosphere, mix of land and water, vegetation sporadic, and then primary ter and I'm guessing terrain. Probably terrain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on the left, it's partially obscured by tech, but what we can read is zing area do. Mm which I'm assuming is analyzing an area do. Oh, probably. And then caution, triangulating, proximate location. So all stuff you would need for your landing. Nice. But Hunter asks how they're going to get past the cruisers, but Echo and Rex had acquired a code from one of their contacts. And from the backseat, uh, Wrecker tells Echo, it's good to have him back, just like old times. Yeah. They drop out of hyperspace right near the Star Destroyers, and Hunter tells Wrecker to man the tail gun just in case. Echo transmit the code and uh, Hunter tells him to be ready to run if it fails. But across the intercom, the Imperials relay that vessel 1143 is cleared for approach. And uh, they all breathe a sigh of relief as they head towards the planet. Once again, we've missed the opportunity with fly casual. Yes. (laughs) Oh, we also missed the opportunity of it's an old code, but it checks out. But it checks out. (laughs) So this one, there are some uh, non-canon references for 1143. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, first up is, uh, CT one, one, four, three was Lieutenant Ozone who died at the hands of Champs and Dula shortly after executing order 66 on oh, Ryloth, poor dude, killing Jedi master Eeth Koth. Oh, uh, next is clone commander one, one, four, three, AKA commander Kev of the two twenty fourth infantry combat Legion. God, he looks just like Gree, AKA the mud jumpers. Okay. Uh, he served under Jedi Spencer Dratt. Oh, and he would turn on his Jedi during Order 66, but failed to kill him. He was kept in command during the Imperial transition, but we would be killed in action around three ABY by his former Jedi commander. Oh, okay. So when you're Googling these, they do come up, but I do believe these are both original fan creations. Oh, really? So, you know, they're out there to find and research but yeah yeah, i don't think they hold bearing on canon events the thing with legends like i mean if it's if it's the old canon what's now called legends we've seen it like in every show uh well since uh, clone wars really or or rebels Mm -hmm. more likely um 
the the way that that old nuggets of the lore are just pulled Slowly. forward and gently massaged a lot of times they still look the same and contextually have the same sort of meaning yeah, yeah. So who, knows? Liter who knows literally ahsoka in rebels uh, uh just before she fights vader tells tells ezra there's a lot of truth in legends like it's yeah. a lot yeah 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 exactly, exactly. meaning and it's it's relevant again in, it, later in the mandalorian it it happens again actually yeah so uh descending through the clouds the past the mountains uh they sent the marauder down on a narrow cliff out of range of the sensors and the batch depart with the intention of getting in and out as quick as possible mm -hmm. marching through what looks to be a pine forest omega asks what time of approach they'll be using a side wind breach and tech tells her well it worked on raxus mm. and the raxus that was back in uh, season one when they had to rescue senator singh in episode 10 that was one of my favorite episodes of that season echo tells them that that approach won't work here the imperials have changed their tactics since then and record chuckles and says thanks to us <laughs> but echo tells him no tanks and no explosions this time and wrecker he hangs his head decides fine <laughs> before they all continue along Still high above the valley below, they come to a tree line where they spot a tower with a red sensor on it. And Echo scans the tower just as a train car goes zipping by, suspended from the track above. And through their macro binoculars, he and Hunter survey Tarkin's tower compound. Noting that the compound is heavily fortified, Echo notes that the weak point is the train cars. And if they can get over the sensor, they can hang from the train cars right into the base. Omega questions that they'd be hanging over an immense drop to the valley floor below, but Echo says it's the only way to get in unnoticed. And Hunter tells Tech to disable the sensor, but he advises against it as it would trigger a breach. Instead, he plans to disrupt the feed, buying them 30 seconds to get past the sensor and onto the train, but precision is key. They all look to Wrecker, but he says he can handle it. And uh, with that, Echo passes Tech the magnetic cable gun. The descriptive audio guy, though, says it's Hunter passing the gun. Uh, it's it's not. okay. They have, it happens all the time. Well, it's going to happen here in a second, too, because Hunter watches the sensor and gives Tech the go-ahead signal, and the descriptive audio guy says it backwards again, saying that Echo gave the go-ahead oh, signal. Oh, interesting. Small detail here, and I find this interesting, especially uh, if you've been uh, watching our other, if you've been watching our Weapons of Star Wars uh, video series. We did a we did an episode on the the DC seventeen the hand blaster yeah with that cable attachment on there it looks remarkably like the Tartakovsky version of that weapon mm -hmm. just small detail but I couldn't help it it's very obvious when you know what you're looking at yeah that's pretty cool Tech rushes towards the edge of the cliff launching the cable and swinging upward as it reels in landing him on the top of the sensor uh, and then really neat he uses the magnetic cable gun to pry the panel off the side of the sensor no oh, that was cool. And then he attaches his data pad to the panel and waits for the right moment to act. And meanwhile, the next train car is now speeding towards their location. Uh, inside the compound, they've detected a malfunction in sector sensor 3811. But Lieutenant Mailer. <laughs> Did anybody else get the flashbacks to Rebels with Ezra <laughs> in the uh, walker? Yeah, um, yeah. Me, 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 Melu, me, Melu run? <laughs> Colonel Melu run? Yeah. Colonel Melu run? <laughs> But uh, it's funny because we don't get his name until the credits. But yeah, anyway, I had it here. Uh, he tells the worker, just recycle the feed. And then with the sensor down, tech calls the batch. It's time to go. They rush forward, launch their cables and attach to the bottom of the passing train. And tech leaps from the sensor and latches onto the back. 
little bit of foreshadowing there. Mm, yeah. Inside the compound, Lieutenant Mailer asks if anything came back from the sensor reading, but the worker tells him no. So he says, you know, run a full system diagnostic. And then we jump back to the train again. And Echo calls out that we're halfway there. And Wrecker notes, well, it's not so bad until he looks down, realizing how high up they are. And he says, never mind, as the train glides towards the mountain compound. And yet still just manages to hang on and just get the job done. Yep. He's overcome his fear of heights, I think, as best he can. Uh, nearing the train dock, we do see some stormtroopers out on patrol. And uh, the Bad Batch, they quickly dismount from the train. Hunter taking out the first trooper hand-to-hand, tossing him over the rail. Yeah. The second trooper is dispatched with a well-placed blaster bolt, knocking him over the rail as well. Yeah, enjoy the landing. Not yeah. people anymore. <laughs> and a third trooper emerges from the door, but he's caught off guard by a shot from the side, knocking him over the railing as well. So apparently railings don't save lives all the time. <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> Nice. Those are pretty low. I don't think those are code. <laughs> it's the evolution of the Star Wars rail. It's only a hip height. That's right. Until <laughs> you get to the Death Star, then it's gone completely. But uh, outside with the troopers dispatched, they make their way inside the compound. And uh, at the top of Raven's Peak, the Imperials discuss the security of the galaxy and how best to maintain it. And this whole thing, yes, it seems clandestine and everything, but in the beginning moments here, it seems like a legit political, how are we going to make the galaxy safe? Yeah. Yep. But it shifts gears pretty quick. Um, <laughs> Hearst Ramoti suggests that maybe widespread military deployment was the uh, way to go. But Governor Tarkin says they need a strategy for galactic unification. And then they turn the floor over to Dr. Hemlock and he relays that the progress they are making in the field of cloning is of great importance to the emperor. He postures that once they unlock the secrets formerly known to only the Kaminoans, they will have or they'll be able to have an enlightened society through their advanced technology and molecular alteration. Well, that's pretty on the nose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, hey, we're just going to make everybody enlightened. That's right. Tarkin demands to know how long it will take because the funding Hemlock has requested is already substantial. But Hemlock tells him science can't be rushed. But with more clone troopers being decommissioned he's found a new purpose for them as test subjects for his research yummy Ramoti questions if the decommissioned clones agreed to be experimented on but hemlock responds that clones are imperial property and their cooperation is not required hmm. Ramoti goes on that uh, many in the senate are currently fighting for clone rights and if this got out it could be detrimental to their goals but spoken like an evil genius, Hemlock tells him that his location and operations are far from the eyes and ears of the Senate. Yeah. Admiral Barton Coburn interjects that having served with the clones and knowing they are loyal to the end and they're willing to just like, are they willing to just dismiss them out of hand? And Tarkin jumps in citing he served with the clones as well, but he found them very unpredictable. But under Jedi leadership, the clones exhibited a concerning level of individuality. <laughs> yeah, blame the Jedi. Yeah. But Barton questions what happens if they learn what Hemlock is doing and take up arms against the Empire. And Hemlock quietly notes some already have. And Tarkin, he says, you know, we'll deal with them swiftly to prevent any sort of clone uprising. Hint, hint. But Tarkin then uh, he switches gears and asks Commander Orson Krennic on the status of Project Stardust. And uh, satisfied with how his presentation was received, Hemlock sits back in his seat with a half grin. And 
I really dug the way they moved around the room and lit the scene. Yeah. Because it's like one of those meetings where all the high level players are there, but they're all partially obscured. Yeah, so. kind of shadowy. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, it's, well, I was going to say it's kind of like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Blofeld, but not really. Blofeld, they just never showed his head. Yeah. <laughs> so if, we've, if we've got, if we've got Tarkin, who's like, you know, even yeah. above Vader in terms of proximity to the emperor like he'd be the commander in chief of the uh you know he's yeah i would i would of, of all the way. imperial forces i would think right um yeah and so then we have krennic who we you know is a special science sort of division like specifically the death star and i like in charge of the cloning who are yeah. these other two that they're at the meeting well remote remote is another callback not only to rogue one but remote was is a late one they they He's actually in A New Hope. He's in the room uh, mm -hmm. with all of the players, but they don't identify him until something like decades later in an EU source. But mm. he is one of the, the major players at that table on the Death Star in uh, in A New Hope. Yeah, yeah just wondering what his sort of division oh, sorry. is. <laughs> you got some more? I got some more. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, oh, good. Couple, a couple notes here, like you said, Hank. Uh, Project Stardust is... Uh, actually better known as the Death Star Project, named as such because of key scientist Galen Erso, who called his daughter Jin Stardust. That's right, yeah. And then uh, the players at the table. <laughs> oh, there you go. Along with returning Jimmy Simpson as Dr. Hemlock and Stephen right, Stanton right, right. as Governor Tarkin, we also have Ben Mendelsohn as Orson Krennic, uh, right. Andy De La Tour as Hearst Remote, and Dee Bradley Baker as Barton Coburn. Oh, that's awesome. So, hmm. more roles for him. You know what I like about this whole sequence? I like the fact that it establishes uh, this, this whole scene in just a couple of lines adds so much more weight to Krennic when he's so outraged at Tarkin by the time we get to rogue one, because now we know that Krennic has been involved, maybe not overseeing, but he's been involved in the death star project for 18 years. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no wonder he's so put out when Tarkin's like, okay, I'm taking over. Yeah. You did all the heavy lifting now. Get out yeah. of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's our players here. Um, and like you said, further uh, military connections for the other two. Yeah, exactly. In the hangar bay, though, we find the Bad Batch have found their way into the Imperial transport ships. And Omega asks how they're going to find out which one belongs to Hemlock. Hunter tells her that they'll have to access the hangar manifesto from the control room. So they opt to split into two teams. Hunter will take Tech and Echo, while Wrecker and Omega will remain to plant the beacon. They split up Tech Echo and Hunter making their way up the ladder to the control room and they stun two technicians and set to work. So, you know, we're switching back and forth between kill shots and stuns. Right. Below one of quickly discerning like a tech's not really a not a military threat. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. Interesting. Don't kill the janitor type thing. I, I guess. Don't shoot the civilians abort staff. Yeah. <laughs> In a uniform. I don't know. That's I a quick know. call. Like <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's a bit, yeah. We're kind of splitting hairs at that point, really. True. Uh, below on the top of a pile of crates, Wrecker and Omega survey the hangar as uh, stormtroopers move skids of cargo about. And I don't quite get why they're moving so much cargo. Like, if these guys are just here for a meeting, it doesn't really make yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, that that, transporting lots of that hangar looks like there is quite a bit of, there's a lot of containers laying around. Yeah. There. So what else is going on here? Yeah, like, are we just transferring funds and whatnot to Darkin mm -hmm. or? Man, I don't know. Dark, anyway, Darkin doesn't pack light. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crates of Beskar for the Mandalorian. 
<laughs> it's all that armor from uh, the base that what's his face checked off. Uh, yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> but uh, mouse droids zip about the floor too, and tech radios down that Hemlock's ship is in docking lane number four. And something we don't often see in the control room, Hunter actually ties up those two technicians. Oh, really? And yeah. Echo tells the other two that something isn't right. Many of the surveillance systems have been cycled in different corridors. So tech notes that this is highly irregular considering the amount of high-ranking Imperials in attendance. And Hunter suggests that he and tech check it out while Echo remains to monitor. Below, Echo or Omega scopes out to which ship belongs to Hemlock. And finding their target, she notes that it's fairly exposed. Wrecker agrees and says there's not enough cover for him to make it over, but there is enough for Omega. Wrecker asks if she's up for it, and she readily agrees to be. Wrecker hands her the beacon, and he'll remain on watch while she gets to the ship. And, like, there's almost some hesitation in Wrecker. Like, he doesn't want to pass it off to her just yeah. to keep her safe, but yeah. he knows that's his only option, right? Omega makes her way stealthily down along the wall of cargo, and she's almost found out by a trooper loading a skiff. But staying out of sight, she keeps pace with the skiff just out of sight line as the stormtrooper uh, goes across the floor, and Wrecker watches from the shadows. As Maybe the trooper walks, escape. yeah, basically. yeah, really, cardboard box, anybody? Yeah. Bling! As the trooper walks away, Omega continues buying the crates of cargo until she reaches her destination and plants the homing beacon. She radios to Wrecker that the beacon is secure, but he tells her wait as more stormtroopers are heading her way. She ducks down in the shadows, avoiding the troopers before dashing back in Wrecker's direction and reaching a middle point. There are troopers behind her and troopers blocking the path ahead. She radios that she's pinned down, but Echo responds this time saying he'll create a diversion. He scomps into the computer and he pulls out the schematics for uh, a loading crane. And the Orabesh on the bottom here reads crane AZ or uh, A71220Y81. And there is a match for part of this code. That's that's a deep, that is a really deep cut. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, turns great. out uh, the Kenner 1983 Return of the Jedi Princess Leia in combat poncho figure ah, had a card number of 71220. Interesting. So all things intentional. Do you think that one is? I, you know what? Maybe. Hard but, to say. Hard to say. I, I love I would, it. I, would, I like I would, that. But. I would more confirm it if the Y was 83. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just that for would the be, year yeah. released. <laughs> Wouldn't but, that be something? Yeah. But I went looking to see maybe she was like figure number 81. But no, she's, I think, 49. Okay. Or something like that. Of the uh, however many you think are in the in the vintage line. Yeah. <laughs> well, according to one guy, there's 167. If you include all of the variants. Ewoks and droids and the final 17. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly, the crane springs to life, and uh, its magnetic hook latches onto one of the ships in the hangars, and the stormtroopers all take notice. Bling! I love the uh, exclamation point. The, yeah, huh? the Metal Gear. I couldn't <laughs> help it with that one. But Tech or uh, Echo lifts the ship and swings it into a wall of cargo, causing some troopers to run for cover while others drop what they're doing and run for help. I don't think you could pass that off as a malfunction. No, not at that point. <laughs> We're fishing with starships today in the hangar. But it is funny that, like, it's a V-Wing he picks up. Yeah. It, and uh, those must have been hiding behind the wall of cargo, I guess. I, yeah, I guess so. Because the rest of the V-Wing split off and, I yeah. guess, went back to the Star Destroyer or oh, something. The next time we see them, they're all parked outside. Yeah. 
Yeah, but consistency, folks. I don't know. A lot of them. Well, so. A lot of them. Um, doing this, it gives Omega just the opening she needs. But before she can go, a mouse droid rolls up and is about to sound the alarm. But just in the nick of time, a foot comes down, smashing the little droid. And we pan up to find that it's Wrecker who lets out a sarcastic, oops. It was such an opportunity here for Star Wars roller skates. <laughs> there was. <laughs> but instead he shakes his leg as the droid's stuck on there. And finally it flies off and the two make their escape. Skating around in a pair of mouse droids. <laughs> well, we've already technically done that in Monsters versus Aliens. Where uh, oh, gi- yeah. Giganta, she goes skating on That's two right. cars. That's right. Yeah, two cars. So similar to it, but. In the main control room, the crane malfunction has set off an alert and the technician relays to Lieutenant Maylor, as well as several uh, surveillance systems off in sector four or what what does he say here? Oh yeah. He says there's a crane malfunction as well as surveillance systems are off in sector four. So uh, furious Lieutenant Maylor calls for a squad to be sent to investigate as well as another one to secure the rail line. And uh, in sector four tech hunter and, uh, Tech and Hunter make their way through the halls and Tech notices that a camera is down and not functioning. Uh, the Orbesh on his visor reads exactly that. Analyzing, camera is offline, no activity detected. Nice. I love that we get the classic Death Star uh, security camera. Yeah. Like that we saw in... Uh, Six panel deal. Uh, I guess, yeah, brought back in uh, Andor for uh, Bix's uh, cell. Yeah. yeah. Moving to a computer terminal, Tech finds uh, this quadrant, uh, the surveillance system has been fully deactivated, and Tech doesn't like it. He suggests they leave, but Hunter looks a little further down the hallway, only to discover that there's a thermal explosive hidden behind a pillar, and they suddenly realize somebody else is targeting the base. Yeah, for a second, I'm like, who planted that? Yeah. Like, we didn't do that, did we? No. Tech surmises that one charge will not do much damage, but Hunter senses something and pulls his blaster. Two stormtroopers step out from around the end of the hall with their blasters in a submissive position. The first trooper says, good thing we have more. And the first trooper steps forward with his hands raised and he takes his helmet off and says, I didn't expect to find you here. And it turns out it's Aguerrera. So if nothing else ever happened this week, like (laughs) the next, if this was the only episode of Star Wars, that's all the internet would be talking about. No one one is even mentioning Aguerrera in this episode. Uh, he, he needs some hate for this. Episode. He comes. He comes up a lot uh, because of the second half. Yep. He should come up a lot more on the negative side. There's though. a lot. There's a lot. I've seen a lot of comments about uh, you know Sagarera is, resp- is personally responsible for the uh, for the, the demise, demise of yeah. Yeah, but uh, saw notes that he told them back on Onderon that they had to make a choice, and that was way back in episode one. Uh, yeah, like season one, episode one. Yeah, yeah. And from his perspective, they've chosen. And he orders his associate to keep an eye out while they duck back down the hall. Hunter asks what Saw's plan is here, and he plainly tells them that he intends to level the compound and all the Imperials that are inside it. And Seems Hunter, like a good plan to me. Yeah, Hunter tells him, we can't let you do that, as they need to track one of the officers back to his base, where clones are being imprisoned, including one of their own. And frustrated Saw asks if Hunter expects him to call it off just to save a few prisoners. They're trying to fight the Empire. And Tech asks if he's stopped to think that by blowing up the compound, they'll be losing the opportunity to gather intel that could help them. But Saw barks back that uh, taking out several of their top commanders is a good start. He's not wrong. He's not wrong, but he's he's not wrong. But at the same time, they both have a valid point here. Uh, I agree. 
they're just motivated differently. Yeah, because yeah. tech cites that the victory will be short-lived as the Empire will quickly replace anyone lost. So that That's true. Picture, guys. Yeah, that is true. And uh, <laughs> yeah, come on, come on here. I'm Doug. Am I the drama? Am I the drama? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> But Saw says that may be, but sacrifices <laughs> must be made for the greater good. And then Saw's associate returns and tells him that they have to go as a security team has been alerted. Just then a stormtrooper comes through the door and the group of them unload on this trooper, dropping him with multiple shots. Uh, more troopers come through and Saw's associate takes a hit. Saw and his partner flee, leaving Tech and Hunter pinned down. So this is his first, you know, kind of, I don't know, hypocritical uh cowardly act yeah i i don't know but i mean it, it's so it is characteristic i mean if yeah. you followed him sort of through the clone wars and and very early on i mean after the loss of his sister yeah mm -hmm. um that's where he kind of goes off the rails and i don't think he ever i don't think he ever really gets over that right up until including his death yeah he's just this uh Extremist. wild card is that the right term for it yeah i think that would work yeah, yeah he just gets increasingly more off the rails too yeah he's, yeah he's a a villain on the right side of the cause he's uh let's i mean call it what it is he's an extremist uh yeah. you know i mean he's he's dangerous <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah he's dangerous yeah. to not just the empire but to everybody else around him yeah but uh back here tech throws a stun grenade taking out uh three of the advancing troopers and a fourth still firing from the end of the hall, but tech takes him out with ease. And one more trooper hiding around the corner. Uh, he peeks out and tech is already there pushing away his rifle with Hunter following close, knocking him out and using him as a human shield as they advance down the hallway with troopers. Uh, this batch of troopers anyway is dealt with Hunter and tech race forward uh, radioing that they've been compromised and everybody needs to get back to the rail car. Uh, Doug says, uh, unrelenting force on his own path. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that's a good analogy too. And, uh, he only has only one. He side. only has one side. His yeah. absolutely. Ac yeah. Accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Accurate. Meanwhile, in the other saw or hallway though, saw and his accomplice slip past advancing troopers, none the wiser. And with them past saw radios for his forces to get to the hangar. And his associate asks, what about the command center? But Saw says it's too late. And then he radios for everyone to get out before the Imperials find and disarm the explosives. Meanwhile, at the top of Raven's Peak, an operator relays to Tarkin that insurgents disguised as troopers have infiltrated the compound. And Tarkin relays to switch all transmissions to encoded channels and find the insurgents. Just then the blast doors open and we see six shock troopers. Four enter and two remain outside to guard the door. All but Tarkin and Hemlock stand, but Tarkin tells them, we'll resume momentarily. Take your seats. And uh, this part's kind of neat. All the blast shields close on the windows mm -hmm. and the room darkens and it's fully sealed. We'll just hit we'll, the panic button. We'll blade yeah. interaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tarkin tells them, as you can see, we are perfectly safe. But back down in the hallways, the stormtrooper disguise continues to prove useful as Saws and Companion make their way onward past more squads of stormtroopers. As elsewhere, Tech and Hunter are still exchanging rounds with more and more troopers. Tech and Hunter continue to run and gun until they find themselves pinned down. But just as three troopers have them dead to rights, a shot comes into frame 
taking out one of the troopers and then a fourth trooper gets thrown at the remaining two love that shot but it's wrecker omega and echo and uh just then the blast doors behind them open up and tech and hunter or open behind tech and hunter and more troopers are at the ready and open fire the batch returns fire for just a moment before scrambling down another hallway and reunited they make their way towards a ladder and start to climb down tech pulls out yet another stun grenade and throws it down the hallway taking out three more stormtroopers buying them enough time to get down that ladder and we find out down below that it is the rail car dock and the door opens they all pile in and once aboard the door slides shut meanwhile above the stormtroopers have arrived and they start making their way down the ladder too so i i posed this question to you guys in the uh in the chat earlier in the week i'm just realizing like did did we ever think omega's bow was lethal i always thought it was yeah yeah i, didn't think I always thought it was i don't recall her like i mean she's nailed some beasts i mean yeah i'm, I'm trying to remember her like you know hitting somebody square in the chest or in the head with it like before this but she's definitely <laughs> Like an eleven-year-old killing people. <laughs> she not, okay, it I was just want to get that straight. That's it was commandeered though from another. Uh, th there was a whole uh, gang that used them, and they yeah. it was yeah confiscated from them. I, it had yeah. to be lethal for them, I'm sure. Yeah, that's kind of what I just. It just never occurred to me until but, I see her using it in conjunction with the batch using lethal force too. going. I think there's oh. also nothing to be said though. Like you're, you're making a good point. Like Lucasfilm probably put some thought into it. Do we put a firearm in a child's hand? Mm. Because that sends a message. But if we put a bow in her hand, then there's right. It, it's a, I guess it, the lethality of it could be subjective. Uh, right. Right. Well, it could be like game mechanics where the longer you hold that bow, the stronger the bolt. Oh, yeah. That's entirely possible yeah, too. Right. Yeah. I know she kills a couple stormtroopers in this. Episode. For sure she does. Sure. For sure she does. Of course <laughs> sure. she does. Threatening but she brother. didn't do it with a gun. No. So no, uh, that's okay. Uh, no. Yeah. We need to outlaw spoons. <laughs> <laughs> so on the rail car, Tech tells them that they need an access code uh, to get it going. So Echo, he scomps in to override it, and the rest of the batch ready themselves for whatever might be coming. Stormtroopers start to descend a ladder in the rear of the car, and Omega fires on them with her bow. So there you go. Uh, still more troopers enter as the rail car lurches forward and they trade fire. Omega looks over her shoulder as the rail car speeds out of the mountain. And back in the hangar, blast doors open. And we see Saw Guerrera and his band open fire on the troops in front of them. With one of his guys throwing another stun grenade further in to clear their path. <laughs> Those were popular this episode. They were. Yeah. Had a lot of use. On sale. <laughs> They continue to exchange fire on their way towards the ship and uh, saw and two more of his squad climb aboard that ship and saw closes the ramp yelling at them to get him out of here completely unfazed that he's just lost two more of his squad. As the ship lifts off, they start firing into the hangar and spin around and zoom out the bay door outside a turret gun opens fire narrowly missing them. And on board saw throws off his helmet and triggers a dream or a detonator with a green button on it. And inside the compound, explosions ring through the hallways. In the hangars, troopers scream as they are decimated by explosive fire. And did anybody else catch their screams this week? Was there, there was a good Wilhelm in there. Oh, my God. It was disturbing. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It was like a Wilhelm through a trooper helmet. <laughs> but they're nice. just completely gone. Seen from outside, uh, explosions burst forth from all over the compound, moving up towards the tower. And inside that fortified office, the building shakes and a little bit of rubble drops from the roof. But the Imperials stay seated around their table and shock troopers at the ready. Tarkin is absolutely furious of this. We catch up to the rail car speeding along the track and inside the Bad Batch are still trading fire with, I guess, you know, a good handful of troops made it aboard. But uh, as the explosions continue in the compound, a shockwave begins to travel down the rail. And eventually it makes its way to the rail car, shorting out the power. Records. Yep. Record takes out the last trooper as the car slows to a halt. And at the front of the car, Tech looks out through the slatted window, seeing they're now stuck about halfway between the mountain peaks. Tech spies a uh, second rail car on the opposite and or opposing track, which has also come to a halt. And we see over there, stormtroopers are prying open the doors and they're preparing to fire. Inside the batch huddled together, weapons raised, and Omega gives them each a concerned look. And we get a shot outside and we see the gears are now smoking on our rail car. And further back, we get a shot back there. The compound is smoking in the background. And, uh, you know, things do not look good for our boys. Yeah, here. it's looking pretty uh, pretty uh, dire at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. so with that, we cut to black. Uh, Mental. Yep. Again, you know, the same thing with uh, why they did. It's the same reason why we said and or those, uh, the, the, the three episodes, how they work as sort of a, a prologue. Yeah. The same thing here. You need to see both episodes uh, back, to back. back to back in order for it yeah. to be as impactful. Yeah. As yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Agreed. if you waited, if you waited, you waited another week for this. Yeah. Yeah. You might not get the same emotional that uh, it does with uh, watching them back to back. Yeah. But like Guerrera, he triggers that with no hesitation. No, like, I mean, uh, to him, it didn't matter if the batch were in or out. He was going up. Soldiers up. follow orders. I yeah, and 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 that's the thing about Sagarera. He's got that like that those exacting sort of standards where it's like it's blind loyalty and nothing else. Like he will not settle for anything else. Yeah, yeah. Because like, and he's also off his rocker. Yeah, yeah. Like, those two things combined yeah. uh, make him incredibly dangerous it's no wonder that you know the early uh the early rebellion had a hard time with him you know he's yeah. like a would they a wild dog this unpredictability that yeah no wonder he couldn't be a part of the formal <laughs> alliance not even luton rail who seems to be like you know an like a an extremist like, in his own right yeah is yeah like <laughs> afraid to deal with Saul Guerrero yeah person. yeah yeah and for good reasons too yeah we will be right back with uh, the exciting conclusion of uh, episode uh, what 16 yep. plan 99. We'll be right back guys. Hey guys. Thanks for listening to fandom power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms.